Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Tonight, we'll be talking with composer Nanita Desai about her work on the video game Immortality, a funny story she's got about Vinnie Jones, and more. Later, we'll be talking to the owner of Bugs Comics, Larry Quiggins. We'll give our review of She-Hulk Season 1, Werewolf by Night, and more, plus your calls. All that and more, stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, listening to us on the big 550 KTRS, hello to you. Thank you very much for listening. If you're streaming us out there in the world on the app, hello to you and thank you very much for finding us there. And of course, uh, no video tonight. Joey V has the night off. So it's just us on the old-fashioned radio like it's meant to be. And, of course, though, if you're listening to us after the fact in the podcast form, maybe you didn't get a chance to catch it live. Hello to all of you. I know a lot of you listen that way, and I do appreciate it. If you have not already done so, whatever platform you're hearing us on, please go to that platform and give us a nice five-star review. That helps us out in the search engine optimization, uh, makes us a little more findable on Google and things like that. And, of course, if you would also just make sure if you're watching this or hearing it on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and click that little bell. That way, every time we do go live, you'll get a notification and you can tune in that way as well. Uh, We're going to go ahead and jump right in. We're starting out with an award-winning composer. Very excited to talk to her about this particular project. Right now, we're talking to composer, a musical genius, Nanita Desai. She's got Immortality, which is a brand new video game out. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that. A couple couple other aspects of her career as well. Nanita, thanks for your time. Well, pleasure to uh, speak to you today, James. Thank you for having me. Of course. uh, I'm always fascinated to talk to composers, especially someone like you who's done uh, quite the range of different projects between video games, between movies, between television series, stuff for documentaries. That's it's no piece of music obviously is the same, but the fact that you've got to vary it for each project also talk a little bit if you would. And let's start with immortality in particular. Talk about your process for creating the sounds for this particular project. Well, immortality is a strange project. Uh, It's quite unprecedented because Sam Barlow, the video game developer, has created a genre and a process uh, all of his own because it's taking uh, FMV, full motion video, video games, with no CGI, animation, graphics, nothing like that. It's all live action. And uh, so it's, it, it, so Immortality is like an interactive 
film trilogy, which happens to be a horror as well. And it's it's I I was given a two hundred and eighty page script to work from. Wow! Uh, I'm very I I'm very visually inspired normally as a composer because the majority of my work is film and TV, and I get visuals. And you throw visuals at me, and I go. I, I'm, you know, I know exactly what to do because it leads me down a certain path. But with this this particular game, um, and, and it's unusual to other games as well because with other, normally if you're scoring another video game, I might get given um, uh, sort of gameplay examples of artwork and, and other sort of visual inspiration. Whereas with Sam, he wants all the music written before he actually films oh my with the actors. Um, so, because that inspires him to carry on writing. And also he plays the music to the actors. He'll give them their themes. So we did that with Telling Lies, the previous game that I scored. And we had um, four characters and I wrote four different themes for that. Here, um, I was given the script, a massive script. And so we whittled it down to, I mean, I wasn't going to write a 10-hour movie so, um, right. because it's totally it's totally nonlinear, you never know where you're going to dip in yeah, to the yeah. game and into the film. So I wrote three themes, and we condensed it down to three themes. And there are three films in the game, uh, and each film has its own theme. Uh, each film is based. It's very inspired by the history of film cinema. Uh, so we're looking at three films ranging from the 60s to the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s. And and each theme represents the essence of each film. So, for example, um, one of the films is uh, based on um, a Hitchcock erotic thriller and a, and a gothic 18th century gothic novel um it's called ambrosia this 1968 film and the theme is based around the concept of religion so sam would give me ideas and we'd have long conversations and i'd we'd share spotify mood playlists and mood boards and and um and talk about it a lot and then from that i would distill it down to the essence of religion which is the idea of spiritual existence, you know, something that extends beyond our physical existence and transcends it and is pure. So the music has to describe the divine and the lightness and the spiritual power of the characters untethered by physical concerns. And so um, so the first thing I thought of was, okay, the choir. Uh, but with, always with Sam, we always, we always want to go down uh, a left-field approach and we never go down the cliched approach. So I was twisting the orchestra. It's an orchestral-based score, uh, very textual and atmospheric. And so there was a one fantastic line that Sam gave me when trying to describe this religious theme. He said, imagine you're staring at a religious painting long enough to feel something of the transcendent pure feelings it's trying to evoke. You know, you're sitting in an art gallery looking at an amazing religious painting. And so while I was composing the theme, I was those those are the ideas that I was thinking of. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really, and, and we have a couple of other themes uh, as well. You know, one about art, inspired by this 1999 subversive noir thriller, which was inspired by Body Double and De Palma in Basic Instinct. You know, there's some of my favorite yeah, movies. Yeah. And uh, and life as another New York City set thriller, 
Uh, this is the third movie uh, called Minsky, and it's about the death of a famous artist. And the essence of the theme is about living in the moment, engaging in the physical pleasures of life. And so we call the, the theme life, and it's quite sensual. And so I used the uh, saxophone because, you know, I love movies like Basic Instinct and Body Double. And, and there's this neo-noir effect, you know, the, the zither, the dulcimer, the the saxophone. And so um, I brought in a friend of mine, uh, Daisy Cole, to play uh, sexy sax on it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> it was great fun. I really, really enjoyed um, writing those things. So it is kind of interesting. Um, a lot of the composers I speak with, like like you said, I, I don't know if they're they're all just visual people, but obviously it helps you to see some storyboards. So when you're writing, like you mentioned, the theme for the characters to see what they look like mm-hmm. and everything. So that that is a unique experience. But it also sounds like you kind of had enough to go on to be able to do this fairly well with with the tone and the uh, like. One is religion, and you're kind of focusing on that aspect of it. Do you, do you normally is that uh, like you said, you're a visual person. Is it uh, this kind of a challenge thing that you feel has kind of like made you a better composer though, because of this? Um, well, when I compose, it's, it's for me, it's quite a torturous experience. <laughs> I feel that I have to suffer for my art when I'm composing. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I love to, my way into, I, I ultimately, whatever project I'm scoring, I want to try and get to the heart of it and capture capture the true soul, the underbelly of whatever project I'm going. So so with this, you know, I dive I, I love to research and I, I dive into um, researching, watching other movies and listening to a lot of music to sort of distill and, and find my own voice through through the score. So so with immortality, you know, we discuss the sound palette. And instead of, you know, with three different film genres through the 60s, 80s and 90s, instead of doing a, a musical homage to each um, style, you know, of movie scoring, we decided to come up with an overall sound palette that was orchestral, really, um, and and not to not use any synths or electronics at all. Mm. Um, so it had to be pure because you want to hear the... You know, with with the character, you know, I want to hear the relationship between the player and the instrument, and to connect the player directly to the emotional, the gamer, the you know, the person playing the video game, to the emotional core of the story. So that's why we and and this character, this central character, Marissa Marcel, she's um, she's this actress who uh, has starred in these three movies and and existed for many, many years without aging. So you're solving this mystery. So the music has to have this sort of really interesting textural, um, exotic feel about it. Mm. Um, But then we go into, um, alongside each main theme, we're also playing this weird supernatural theme. And it's like mapped one-to-one to to the main theme so as a player when someone you're diving deep in the um as the gamer something happens and unlocks this aspect of the game and the music responds to it and suddenly shifts tone to this twisted warped manipulated sound that sounds almost supernatural it's like sam and i are very inspired by david lynch Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, there's season two of Twin Peaks, episode six, was a real inspirational uh, moment for us. 
and that and so that was you know there's some sort of hidden easter eggs in there that really sort of inspired us uh, there and also author film directors um uh, you know, of like Nicholas Rogue and, you know, directors like that, sort of old Ken Russell, British film directors that really inspired us. So we had a lot of material to go on, is what I'm saying. So in terms of inspiration, um, I didn't have a problem with Sam. We just talk a lot. And that's and he he says things that are so inspiring, it just conjures up uh, musical hmm. images in my mind, um, which are really, really helpful. And you mentioned the last game you worked on, Telling Lies. If I'm not mistaken, I know that that won an award, I want to say, for Best Original Composition uh, the year that one came out for, for Telling Lies. So now with that bar set, is there a little bit of, uh, are you kind of like, oh, we got, we got to do it again with Immortality? Is there that level of kind of raising <laughs> the bar for you? Or is it ah, whatever happens, happens? Oh, well, let's see how it goes. I think, you know, the, the game is has just come out. And um, and the scores just come out and it's had a fantastic response. You know, the game has had such an amazing response. Uh, players are loving it. Um, and it's, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's just great. To, I mean, I, I find this style of um, entertainment ultimately a very um, exciting space to be in because Sam is so pioneering in the way that he tells a story and engages with storytelling you know it's, it's like taking uh, all the best techniques from filmmaking and then blending these old-fashioned storytelling techniques with the non-linear side of video games and it keeps you engaged you know it's we're setting we're setting out our own techniques and processes of doing things and because it's we've never done this before i mean no one's really done it like this we're sort of it's it, there's a lot of trial and error and it takes us i mean yeah. it takes me a long i get given a, normally when i'm scoring film and tv i don't get very much time always and with here you know sam uh, i spent a couple of years working on these refining and fine-tuning these themes so that you know i'd write an idea for a theme for religion for example and then we'd take a break and then we'd come back to it and um and i had the opportunity to really perfect every single note and i i'm a sucker for detail i i sort of you know i love love obsessing with detail and every single note so um so yeah so it's 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 great working on games where i do have time to uh reflect and come back on things and think is this the best way you know like i'd write a theme and sometimes i'd scrap it and then come back to it six months later um, with a different frame of mind. Hmm. And Sam is very trusting and gives me so much creative freedom that, um, you know, it's great to have the opportunity to work with a real, a true collaborator in that sense, where you're not making any mistakes, you're just experimenting and trying, and, sure. and then eventually we settle, settle on something, we go, yeah, that's what we want to do, and, and that's the way to do it. So, yeah, he's, 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 he's the most intelligent, um, bright, uh, director and filmmaker, game developer that I've ever created, that I've ever worked with. And talking about awards too, Emmy nomination for 14 Peaks, uh, another great uh, project you worked on. Talk a little bit about, the. Are, do you get nerves when you get nominated for something like that? Or is there a little bit of a case in the nerves until the actual uh, award event happens? How do, you, how do you handle nominations and awards? 
Oh, gosh. Um, it's, it is nerve-wracking. I mean, it's a moment of euphoria, and then I think, oh, my God, if I win, I've got to make a speech. Please, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like speaking in public or on stages, so I get really nervous. But, um, no, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic validation, and, and, it's, and it's, it's wonderful to work on something like 14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible, the Netflix films. It's, a, it's an insane project about a man who climbs 14 of the world's highest mountains in less than seven months. And... Um, I mean, awards are great when because it shines, you know, it shines a spotlight on on the film and and the amazing subject matter and the story mm. of this incredible human being. So that's why I'm I'm so thrilled for Nims uh, and his achievements, and you know, uh, and and uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled for him. And are you much of a gamer yourself? Do you do have? Did you play games when you were, you know, uh, at university? Do you play games now? Do you play your own games after you've done the music for them? What kind of level of gamer are you? <laughs> I used to. I started off in video games actually when I was a teenager. I was a big gamer, and then I and I actually started off writing music and doing sound effects and sound design for video games um, in my early twenties, mm. and then my career I sort of did flight simulators and pro pinball and games for Nintendo oh, wow. and all sorts of things. And then, and then I, um, then the publisher that I was working for, uh, sort of sold up and all the developers sort of went their own different ways. And so I lost that source of income. So I ended up by default going into film and TV, which was, you know, something that I always wanted to do as well. So, uh, so the last 20 years I've been writing for film and TV and then suddenly, um, Sam contacted me totally out of the blue. I thought it was a prank, a, a friend playing a prank <laughs> on me. And uh, this, I got this Twitter message from from Sam saying, "Have you ever written for, uh, you know, interactive movies? Is that something you'd be interested in?" And I, it was such a like a dream project. I thought, "Nah, that can't be real." I thought someone was, you know, making a joke. And um, and Sam was true to his word and you know we, and that started our collaboration on telling lies um so i mean for me i love film and tv and i love video games and uh and so it's like to me it's the future of entertainment this sort of engaging uh, audiences um and you know people that want watching stuff to engage in a more interactive way as opposed to just passively watching film and tv which i enjoy as well but you know you get real engagement so yeah so yeah i've always had a i don't play games so much these days but i'm i'm very inspired by film and tv that's what takes up so much of my time which feeds into the games composing anyway and the right. lines are blurred so much these days that um oh yeah it's uh you know it's 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 all an interesting landscape to to work in and talk about variety. One of the objects on your list. I know we 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 chatted briefly on Tuesday, uh, so you, uh, you know this one's coming. I got to ask you about Vinnie Jones, Russia's toughest <laughs> that you did. Uh, you had you had a great story about Vinnie Jones needing a cup of coffee. Uh, talk a little bit about that project, and and if you would share that story again with my listeners. Well, thank you for bringing that one up, James. Um, so Vinnie Jones, Russia's toughest, was a I was very excited about that series. It was, must be about, oh, about eight, nine years ago now for, I think it's for National, it was for National Geographic. And it was this five 
six-part series, Billy Jones, this tough guy, going to Russia, the outer regions of, you know, the remote regions of Russia, um, taking on uh, tough jobs, you know, like uh, hunters and bodyguards in Moscow and um, construction workers making huge architectural, you know, engineering things and, and hunters and, you know, fishing. So Rennie Jones is in the middle of Kamchatka, in the middle of nowhere in, you know, I think Siberia, I think. And I didn't realize this. I was thought of him as a bit of a, a hard man, and which he is, he's a tough man. And he, um, he says to the crew, where's my coffee? Okay, in the morning. And we are literally 50 miles radius from anywhere, uh, <laughs> no civilization. And they had to fly in by helicopter to get to this location. So, so some poor assistant has to take the helicopter to get back to the town to get Vinny's coffee for him in the morning. <laughs> Hopefully he picked up a coffee so, maker while he was in town so he didn't have to do that again. Yeah, he's a little, little bit of a diva, maybe. <laughs> I think um, so. Uh, that that's my that's my Vinnie Jones story that the uh, that the crew told me. I thought, mm, okay, but it was it was great. I mean, it was really it was an it was an opportunity for me to exercise my uh, musical muscles in writing really high testosterone, hard, aggressive music uh, with a Russian twist to it. Uh, so mm. that was, you know, Ru- Russian choirs and Russian influences and, uh, and you know, contemporary uh, music. It was, it, was, it was a great project to work on. And again, if you're listening, Immortality, that video game is out now. You can get that. Uh, I'm assuming wherever video games are sold, you can download it if need be as well and uh, have it directly if you don't like to own the physical copy. I always prefer to have the physical copy of the game because I like to look at the artwork and everything on the box and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Immortality is out. And you, she mentioned Funny Girls as well, which is coming out soon-ish. Yes, uh, Funny Woman it will Funny be Women. coming out early next year. Yeah, and uh, Crossfire, which is another, um, which is starting uh, very, very soon on the BBC, um, which will be coming to the States soon as well, hopefully. Very nice. So we can watch for those projects. And where can people, if they want to keep up more with you online, do a website, social media handles, things like that? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. I need to decide. So I don't think it's it's not too difficult to find me, I hope, on, on social media. Perfect. We'll put a we'll put a link to those uh, social media sites. If you're listening to this right now, after the fact, just scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can uh, click those links so that you can keep up with award winning composer Nanita Desai. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you to uh, for the the time you've given me and continued success to you. Thank you so much, James, for having me. It's it's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. My thanks to Nini to decide. If you get a chance to play Immortality, be sure you do check that game out. Uh, it's a great game and a great lady. I love hearing the stories. We had a longer interview, but I couldn't get to it all because, you know, obviously we've got more to talk about. So we will, uh, maybe we'll put that full interview with Nini up online. Go to geekmeradio.com and check that out. We're going to take our first commercial break. We're live tonight. We have Larry Quiggins in the house from Bugs Comics and Games. We're going to break down our thoughts on She-Hulk Season 1. We're going to talk Werewolf by Night, and we'll take your calls right after this commercial break. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. 
Hey, this is Dave Desmalchin. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. Geek to Me Radio heard here on the Big 550 KHRS every Sunday night at 9 o'clock, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. For those of you listening online, uh, we'll make sure we keep the coasts in mind when we talk about that kind of thing. Um, we have, uh, before we get to what we're going to be talking about tonight, I want to tell you about Bugs Comics and Games. We've got Larry in the house right now, the owner of Bugs Comics and Games. Uh, Bugs Comics and Games is celebrating their one-year anniversary, which does not seem possible that they opened a year ago already. Of course, I've been going to Bugs since I was 14 years old. Riding my bike up West Florissant in the bitter cold snow both ways, uphill. Um, but it, it's cool that Larry's open again. If you get the chance, maybe you're listening to this and you're not in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, go check out the website, which is BugsComicsAndGames.com. Maybe your local comic book store doesn't carry that variant cover that you want. Maybe uh, you don't have a local comic book store. A lot of them close during covid even though they may not be local, if you're online, we'd love to have Larry and Tim make their comic book store your new local comic book store. Check them out, BugsComicsAndGames.com. And, of course, we'll hear from Larry later, later on here as we start talking She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night. Give their Facebook page a like, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. They'll appreciate that as well. Make sure you check out the website again. If you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, come visit. Uh, whether you're new to collecting, whether you're an old-time collector and want to fill in those holes in your back issues and everything else, Larry and Tim can get you set up no matter where you are in your collecting, if you're starting out brand new or not. Check them out once again, BugsComicsAndGames.com for the website, location, and more. Very glad to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. With that said, Larry Quiggins is in studio with me live, and we'll be taking your calls here. We're talking She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night. Larry, thanks for coming in the studio tonight. Thanks for having me, James. Of course, of course. Um, and if you're listening right now, if you'd like to call in, uh, we have open lines, too. We'd love to hear from you and see what the audience thought. Because we were talking about it in the shop when I was in there Saturday. There was a customer in the middle. Oh, yeah. And he chimed in. So let's hear your thoughts as well. Uh, the numbers are 314-931-5877. If you'd like to call us and give us your information and uh, let us know what you thought of that show. First off, we were talking a little bit before we went on air there about Werewolf by Night. I enjoyed it. I really liked it. Well, you're a little more familiar with the character, though. What were your thoughts? Well, as somebody who's been reading Werewolf by Night since it came out in the early 70s, um, I always loved the original concept because the Wolfman is my favorite of the Universal movies. I, When I saw the premise of this special, I went into it thinking I might not like this, and I walked away loving it. The nod to the Universal movies, um, the just the fun of the episode, it had great characters. It just was. I I, it's, I think it's one of my favorites of the Marvel stuff. And it's just the one shot. We're not getting a series, but this one shot gave us so much. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, mild spoilers, but I don't think we're going to say anything that isn't already out there on the internet. I wouldn't anyway. think so, yes. But um, it uh, obviously we got introduced to Elsa Bloodstone, who I think is going to be a major player in the upcoming Black Knight slash Blade movie. And we also got Man-Thing, which was very exciting. Yes. And an interesting take on Man-Thing, a Man-Thing that actually knows who he was before he became Man-Thing. And I think that adds a new depth to the character. So hopefully we'll see more of Man-Thing in the MCU. And the Man-Thing is a really important character to the overall Marvel Universe because he is the guardian of the nexus of realities, and I think that's going to come into play eventually into the movies. A little bit different from, obviously, Swamp Thing, but there oh, are yeah. similarities as well oh, between yes. the two characters, yes. which I cannot remember even which came first, Swamp Thing or Man-Thing. Do you remember? Swamp 
Thing's original version, which was in House of Secrets, just predates okay. Man Thing. So not necessarily copying going on a Marvel. No, part, but, a but different back, character concept, but similar. Back then, the Marvel and DC staff, a lot of a lot of them roomed together and things like that. So they all kind of borrowed from each other, I think, in a lot of stuff. But both of them are taken from the original character from the fifties, which was a muck monster type thing called the Heap. Hmm. Yeah, I had not even heard of the Heap. So yes, it was a big character me. in the fifties, huh. and it's it's and the Heap is very much exactly like Man Thing. More like Man Thing was more like the Heap than Swamp Thing was, I think. Actually, interesting. Okay, well, uh, we can talk about that as well. We've got we'll go to the phone lines real quick. We have Emily on the line. Emily, how are you? Hi, I'm doing so great. Thanks for thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling in. Uh, do you have thoughts on Werewolf by Night or She Hulk or both? Oh, I have all the thoughts on She-Hulk. I would, <laughs> I would love to chat. Yeah. So, what, so what were your, what was your overall impression with uh, the She-Hulk series? Oh my gosh. So I, I have to be honest. I loved it as an overall, overall thought. Um, as a nerd who also just happens to be a woman, I, I felt very connected to the show, to the character, all of the, the little nuances and details that they kind of pieced in. Uh, I have, like, some thoughts on the ending, but it's one of those that I'm like, well, you know, that ending's not going to happen again, um, so I can kind of live with that. But, yeah, overall, I thought it was fantastic. So I, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I've read every single appearance of hers and 1 being I'd not heard of She-Hulk until Disney Plus dropped, how familiar were you with the character, 1 to 10? I would say, you know, the word, the number three comes to mind, okay. if we're being really honest. Um, but from everything, as I've, like, prior to, or now, you know, now that we've kind of gone past She-Hulk, in picking up different bits of information from the comic books, from what I've been told, it's actually pretty accurate characterization. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, no, I know. I think Larry and I were just talking before we went on air about the John Burns run, which this pulled heavily. Sensational from John Burns She Hulk run. run, yes. And I, I noticed little elements of the Dan Slot Rick Bircher yes. run as well. Like when she yeah. was going up mm-hmm. the stairs in that final episode when the guy comes over to her, that's almost like one of the She Hulk covers where she's just going up the stairs into the courthouse. So mm-hmm. there were little nods to Dan Slot's run as well. And so is this something I'm, I'm curious as someone who's not familiar then, Emily, are you going, is this something that's encouraged you to now go buy back issues and kind of read up on it? Or is this just something you're kind of content to see what the Marvel Cinematic Universe brings us with this character? Oh, absolutely want to read up on it. Actually, the, the one that you just referenced, the Dan Slot particular storyline, um, I actually, before She-Hulk came out, had the intention of reading that whole set because I'd heard that that was one of the gold standards of, um, of one of the storylines and I just happened to not be able to get it um, in graphic novel form at a, a reasonable price at the moment. Apparently I should have gone to bug comics. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of those trade paperbacks are out of print and unfortunately they're going into collector prices. Oh no. Well, you might be able to find it on uh, the Amazon if you cannot source it anywhere locally though. But, right. But, but with the fact that we got the show and the series, and mm-hmm. to me, it seemed like they were insinuating in the final episode we were going to get a second season. 
I would imagine that Marvel would go back to printing and be printing some new trade paperbacks. I would hope so. I mean, we we had uh, they started printing some uh, George Perez stuff after he yes. passed. They're yeah. reprinting some of those. So I think if there's that hype and if there's that demand for it, why wouldn't Marvel get the money from it? Exactly. So they're going to probably put those out. Um, and I, and honestly, Emily, I'd highly recommend the John Byrne run as well if yes. you really enjoyed Fantastic. the series. Um, I'm not. I'm assuming those are available in trade as well. I'm not sure how much they are, to tell you the truth. Okay. I'd have, to, I'd have to check on that. If not, you might want to pop by Larry's shop. He might have some issues of sensational She-Hulk that would uh, scratch that itch, that itch for you there, Emily. Oh, I would gladly take that. <laughs> so I take it you didn't like the ending, how it ended? You know, it, so I keep going back and forth in my brain because I I appreciated this this idea of her like fully breaking the fourth wall. And kind of choosing her own ending, I thought was a really interesting idea. I think the execution of it, honestly, I, I was telling somebody recently, I spent this entire weekend running it through in my brain how I would want that to look different with the same outcome. Um, I think that was kind of the hard spot is like you have this this idea in your head of how it's going to end where she's going to be this big person and, and completely mm-hmm. kick tail. Um, but it ends a little bit differently, which which in and of itself I think is really interesting. Well, as I was saying the the gym that uh the, the sensational She-Hulk run with um by John Byrne, she did that a few times where she would storm into John Byrne's office and tell him this is a stupid plot and change it and blah blah blah. So for me I, when I saw that I I I I immediately went to that and thought, "Oh, this is this is great." There's and I felt like they're trying to show, like I say to James, whether or not the execution was the best in the world. They were trying to mm-hmm. show us who mm-hmm. She-Hulk is and how she is different than even from Deadpool, even though they both break the fourth wall. Absolutely. And I think that's one when of the I, things that we were talking about uh, before we came on air is that the I, I, I can appreciate what they were doing. I truly understand mm-hmm. what they were trying to do. But for me, it just was kind of a miss. And I know I've seen comic creators online discussing this. We talked about this in the shop the other day. Larry, I know uh, Fabian Nesiaza, who create co-creator of Deadpool, yes. said he did not like the ending for She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. I know, I think Bill Sankovich said he did like the ending. Dan Slott, of course, he even says, okay, guys, I'm biased, but I really like that ending. So, right. you know, it's, it's all over the board, even from the creators on, on, the, on the book. It'd be interesting what Byrne would have to say about it, because I had not heard anything about he's Byrne so, saying. He's such a recluse. He's being so quiet about this. He's like the Steve Ditko of the modern age. He's uh, just reclused himself. Because She-Hulk was kind of like his baby. He, he did all 60 issues in that run, didn't he? Oh, yeah. That's why I thought. There was no, like, a guest writer. A couple covers were other people. I mean, he's the one who revamped her right. from that original Savage where she didn't have a whole lot of personality concept and to the character we saw on the show. Yeah. Because the character we saw on the show was the character who She-Hulk is. Absolutely. And so overall, Emily, if you had to rate the entire series, the finale notwithstanding, 1 to 10, how would you rate She-Hulk? I mean, I just got to say 10. I, wow. I felt like it was, I mean, it, but you have to understand, like, from my perspective, I mean, it's a very, it's different. You know, I think about, you know, I recently watched uh, Winter Sol- you know, Captain America Winter Soldier, and thinking about that storyline, the action, et cetera, and it, it's very different. But I, I kind of, I don't know, there's different crayons in the crayon box, and I'm, yes. I'm kind of interested to see what will happen. Also, I'm kind of a sucker for Charlie Cox's 
Daredevil. <laughs> I was going to ask and you if I you liked. Perfect. Oh, gosh, he was perfect. Yes, I agree. And had you seen the Netflix Daredevil series before oh, uh, seeing him pop up here? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I may have screamed in my living room when he came on. Screen, so. <laughs> so it didn't bother you to see him being lighthearted and having fun? Oh, it, it, another, again, one of those different crayons in the crayon box. But I'm, I'm very interested because, I mean, that, that Daredevil series still exists. And the way, I mean, it's my understanding, they're not going to pretend that it doesn't, but they're going to take the character in new, different ways. Yes. So I'm, I'm curious to see how those worlds will intertwine and break together. Yep, absolutely. Um, Emily, I appreciate your listening, and thank you so much for calling in with your concepts yeah, and your you. ideas. I appreciate it. Anytime you want to call in again, let us know. I appreciate it. Thank you both so much. You have a great night. Thank you. You, you too. too. There she goes. And if you have another uh, comment or anything you'd like to call in with, 314-931-5877. We're going to take another quick commercial break because I have to. I'm required to. Uh, We are going to continue talking She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night with Larry Quiggins of Bugs Comics. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hi, this is Gates McFadden. Now, don't tell my space son, but I always listen to geek to me Radio. Do it. We are back. geek to me Radio. I'm your host, James Enso. I want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the people who have been with us since the very beginning and have are still with us, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. This weekend was opening weekend for their big Halloween festival, Legends and Lanterns, and boy, the streets were packed. I was down there walking around. It was so much fun to see Lizzie Borden teaching people how to swing their axe, giving them proper technique on that. Uh, we had uh, Scarecrow Glenn all decked out with, obviously, Mrs. Haversham from Oliver Twist. No, not Oliver Twist. Yes, Oliver Twist. And then we had um, Abigail Williams accusing people of witchcraft, telling the girls why their dresses were too short. It was a brilliant fun. We had the, the weird sisters from Macbeth bubbling up toil and trouble. The Phantom of the Opera walking around giving karaoke to people who wanted to sing karaoke. And Ichabod Crane keeping watchful eye over the bridge near Trailhead. But it was a brilliant time. Uh, lots of people came out and enjoyed it. And if you missed it, good news, people, you have two weekends left. This coming weekend and the following weekend leading up to Halloween, they'll be out there to scare up some more fun. Check out the website. If you're from out of town, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, look at the website, which is discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. And you can see all there is to do. Plan your trip. If you can't make it out for Halloween, come out for Christmas. If you think their Legends and Lanterns Festival is big, wait till you see what they do for Christmas. A great time is had by all. This is an entire area made of the small shops, small restaurants, and small businesses. It's important to support them in this economy. Whether you're local or whether you're out of town, plan your trip now. Start at the website, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Talking with Larry Quiggins of Bugs Comics and Games, all about She-Hulk. One of the things I noticed was there were a lot of people trash-talking She-Hulk right from the get-go. And a few of the points people made, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from. A lot of it just seemed like sour grapes, though. Yes. I really don't understand the vitriol that this got from a lot of the YouTubers and a lot of the social media people. Sometimes I think some of them just want to have something to complain about. Clickbait? Is that yeah, kind of... I, I, it, it just... Because everything, most of the stuff that I read, my immediate thought was, read the comic. <laughs> because if you read the comic, your question or your complaint is answered. Right. 
And again, if you're listening right now, Larry and I are a couple of straight white guys. We're, we're not we're not coming at this from a, oh the misandry kind of angle. It, it this is we read the comic books. This is literally right out of John Burns' run. If you didn't get that. That's not a problem, but maybe don't criticize it from the angle of oh, they're you know turning this female into this blah blah blah. She it's, was this always is an original character. She was always very sexual, always, and that was one of, of the Burns. things that made her stand out. You know, I you know for us, mm-hmm. you know, as back in the day when we were the main readers and such like that. That's what made her stand out. As she was a strong woman, she was sexual. She was comfortable in her body and who she was. And when I started reading Avengers, she was on the team. She was yes. there. Uh, Monica Rambo, who will always be my Captain Marvel, uh-huh. Doctor Druid, Black Knight, Captain <laughs> America, Namor, Hercules. That was the lineup when I started reading Avengers. So again, I've always known She Hulk is. Oh yeah, this is this is just one of the characters out there. So I'm not sure where people are coming from with the criticisms, but a lot of the ones I heard, I don't really think. I'm not, I don't want to say. Everything's an opinion, so I don't want to say your opinion's not valid to anybody, but I think a lot of the criticisms are a little exaggerated. I'll yes, put it that way. I agree. I agree. And of this of the entire series, I think what a lot of the fan favorites were the Wong and Madison pairings uh, throughout. <laughs> that was <laughs> I'm telling you, Wong is killing me. And and um what is his name? Benedict Wong? Yeah, Benedict Wong, yeah. He's got to be loving the fact that he's getting and keep getting these scripts. Hey, we're going to have Wong appear. Oh, we're going to have Wong appear. And I love the final joke. You know, and I was like, oh, I was in another, sh- another show. Ah, it's the time of TV. You know, it's, it's, just... <laughs> it's, it's great. And he's, he, I think he's, in, and he's going to be, I think we lost Stan Lee. I think Wong is taking over that cameo. You know what? It could be Wong doing it. And I think I'd take that. <laughs> That's not a problem. And they've also talked about maybe doing like a Stan Lee likeness, kind of like they did with Carrie Fisher at the end of Rogue One. Right. If his estate will sign off on it. I'm not sure how I feel about that though. What do you think? Um, you know, it, I'm not sure if I like that idea myself. I think maybe you could make him watcher. And kind of give him some Stanley, Stanley appearance features. Yeah. feature and kind of go with that because we kind of felt like the explanation that he was a watcher and that's why he appeared in all of them because we saw him with the watchers and right. Guardians 2, I guess it was. Yeah, I believe it was, yeah. Uh, so I don't know, you know, anybody who hasn't seen the last Ghostbusters, I don't want to spoil, but the whole, you know, I liked seeing um, Egon. Egon in the end in the ghost form as the nod. I appreciated that. I'm not sure if. I want to see Stan, a ghost form of Stan and every thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think overall, I think um, it, this is still my my least favorite series uh, for Marvel so far is still Moon Knight. Um, I found the story to be very meandering. I, I, I loved all the references to Egyptology. The acting was out of this world. I mean, Oscar Isaac was brilliant. The last half of the show was really interesting and good mm-hmm. to me. It's the first episodes I was... What are we going? What are we doing? You know. Well, I think I said to someone, you can take out episodes three and four, smush them together, and you wouldn't miss anything, really. Exactly. I just kind of feel like it was, I'm not sure if they didn't know what to do. But again, that was one of my problems with the endings for She-Hulk, because I feel, you and I talked about this, I and Emily kind of mentioned. You feel like it was rushed? Is that what you? I just feel like it was kind of a lazy out. I think uh, they were like, hey, we can get away with doing this. And they were kind of pointing out to themselves how clever they were. And for me, that missed the mark. I, I kind of wanted to see Hulk slug it out I wanted to see a Hulk and Abomination fight. Of course, we did want to see that. I tell you the truth, I'm glad that they got rid of the powers of the idiot who yeah. injected himself and he became a 
almost kind of like he kind of almost reminded me of Braun. Oh, the yeah, Amadeus yeah, yeah. Cho Hulk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the I last time say, I watched yeah. it, I was looking at him going like, kind of looking like the, the Cho Hulk. But uh, when that happened, I was going like, oh, God, don't don't do this. When he literally started doing it, I was going, I started groaning, going like, oh, come on, let's not do this. Well, then they're going to do something <laughs> stupid like he injected in his arms and now he only has an arm of a Hulk. Yeah, that I was, was like, that would have that been funny. Like an animal vegetable mineral man right. from Doom Patrol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> from Doom Patrol, exactly. That would have been that would have been funny, but I we didn't get that. And I'm I'm just kinda like, oh, really? Um and I, I want to say something also to the audience. I apologize. I forgot we have a text lineup. So if you don't feel like calling in, maybe you're shy. A lot of people listen to the radio but don't want to call in and hear their voice. You can text us your thoughts at eight four one two six. Just put in your name like James from Florissant and put in your comments about She-Hulk or Werewolf by Night. Um, I'm I'm interested where they're going to go with She-Hulk and Hulk from here. And you know, before let me tell you this: before we dig into that, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of set that there as our set piece. When we come back, we're gonna take another quick commercial break so we can knock that out, and then we will continue talking about all things Hulk. We'll take your calls and comments. The KTRS lines three four. I'm sorry, three four three one four nine three one five eight seven seven, or text us at eight four one two six. We're gonna take another quick commercial break. We'll come back and wrap up the hour talking Werewolf by Night and She Hulk. You're listening to the Big Five Fifty KTRS. This is Geek to Me Radio. Please stand by. Hey, this is Sean Cannon, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And if you're not then your karate's a joke. We are back here on geek to me Radio. Before we get into the last part of our conversation here, I want to make sure we tell you about our movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. I just saw Halloween Ends Wednesday, um, and there's a lot of great movies. I love Halloween. We've got Halloween Ends out. I love this. The I should say I love the holiday Halloween um, but we've got Halloween ends out. Smile is still out. I think Smile is still the number one movie at the box office. I haven't seen if Halloween ends knocked it out of place or not. Uh, but there's a lot of great movies out in cinemas, and it's only going to get better. We've got Wakanda Forever coming out next month. Tickets are already on sale. If you go to the Mark, I'm about to show people like we're on video. I keep forgetting Joey's not here. Uh, we've got the Marcus Theaters app for your phone. You can download that and get your tickets. You'll get little notifications when tickets go on sale. Black Adam, those tickets are already on sale as well. So many great movies coming. If you're going to see these movies, folks, see them in the best possible surroundings with the Dolby surround sound and the big DLX screens and, of course, the yummiest concessions. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern have them all. And this is not just a St. Louis thing, lest you are wondering. If you go to the website, marcustheaters.com, you click on locations, you'll find the location of the Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern location closest to you. I think there are almost 22 states between the two franchises. So there's a movie theater close to you that you can see a great movie in and there are a lot of great movies to be seen if you're gonna do it do it right and of course you can also rent a private theater from marcus theaters for starting at 149 dollars and that way you and 20 of your closest friends can go see a movie we did that for thor for love and thunder and it's the best way to see a movie that way you're all joking around you're laughing you know when someone makes a joke oh that was adam who said that how funny it's a great time if you're celebrating something or just want to have a great time at the movie with some friends rent a private theater once again the website marcus theaters.com for the best movie going experience in the galaxy chatting for the last part of this hour here with larry quiggins of bugs comics and games about she hulk and werewolf by night and we kind of set it up before we went to break 
Where do you think, because they introduce, and again, this is a spoiler if you've not yet seen the last episode of She-Hulk. Turn your radio down for just a moment. They introduced Hulk's son, Scar. Very offhandedly casual, like, oh, this is a yeah. And like, that's such a weak introduction for this character. I kind of want to see where they're going to go with this. I know what you're saying, because it's one of the things about, if I was going to do any complaining about the series, you know, we got the little seed there, because the spaceship, you said, was from Sakaar. Right. So I have to go to Sakaar to check out what's going on. We saw then him talking to her when he was flying to Sakaar. Now, of course, here in the last episode, he shows up when they're having their outside picnic, and here's Scar. So what does that mean? <laughs> Are we going to see what happened when he went to Sakaar? Or is it gonna... What if it's going to be a flashback? But I know unless something's changed... They can't do a solo Hulk movie because Universal Studios won't let them. Universal still owns the right from when Marvel went bankrupt and they sold Sony Spider-Man and they sold Fox the X-Men and they sold Universal Namor and Hulk. And I think Universal is holding on to that Hulk. They won't let him do a solo movie. He can only be in a group picture or a cameo in somebody else's like Thor 3. Although Ruffalo has talked recently about the fact that that is relaxing. Oh, good. And he's, he's made the comment that he thinks that there will be a Savage Hulk-type movie. I mean, you, a World War Hulk. He's mentioned World War Hulk. You've got to be an idiot if you're sitting at Universal, noticing all the money Sony's making with their Spider-Man Marvel team-ups, not thinking, ah, we don't need that. Right. That makes no sense. And again, I wonder if, if we do get a Planet Hulk, are we going to get it in a flashback to the gap between Avengers 2 Age of Ultron and Thor 3? Or is it going to be Planet Hulk in name only, kind of like um, Civil War kind of was, yeah. and like Age of Ultron itself was? Well, the thing is, we can't really get our World War Hulk because what happened with the Hulk in the MCU is not what happened with the Hulk in right, the comics. No it all made sense in the comics. That's why when it finally built up to that World War Hulk storyline, it was so cool. Yeah. So we got to, there's there's a lot of disconnect. And I've heard that a lot too from people, customers, about the whole, this last phase of MCU, that there's a lot of disconnect. There's a lot of, Wakanda Forever has got a lot to live up to because it's supposed to be the end of this phase. Right. And we're all still asking a lot of questions. <laughs> and I think uh, we've got some time here left where we can get your thoughts on this. For me, I think, I, I can't remember, we've talked about this before. I know I've talked about with other people. I always felt in the first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we knew we were building up to Thanos. We yes. had, you know, we had Loki there as a villain. We had other villains on deck and everything. We had Ultron, but we knew Thanos was going to be. I don't He's the, He was clue. the man behind the curtain. Right. And we knew that. Other than they kind of introduced Kang and Loki, we've kind of introduced the Skrulls, and we might have a thing there with Secret Invasion, but we don't have anything that I feel we're building up to. I feel like Phase 4 has been great because we're getting a lot of great variety, right. but nothing cohesive. If Kang is supposed to be the big baddie that we're going to, like Thanos, they haven't fed us enough like they did with Thanos. Because we've only seen him the one time. Right. You know, the Thanos was so smart because we got the little bit and then we had the nice scene in Guardians. So non-comic people got to see who he was to be excited for when he finally was going right. to step out into the forefront. We, of course, as soon as we saw him at the end of the Avengers, went, oh my gosh, right. we know where we're headed. Hopefully where we're headed and think, you know, they delivered, but... 
Yeah, I, I don't know, because there's a lot of ways they could go with Kang, mm-hmm. um, depending, because he's never been necessarily like an overarching, like high evolutionary was during the Evolutionary right. War. We've never had, you know, obviously, I guess they could do Atlantis attacks, kind of, um, if they wanted yes. to. Now they're introducing Namor and Wakanda. Um, they've introduced the scrolls. We could do Secret Invasion, but there's so many different tacks to take, and we haven't even seen the Fantastic Four come into it, other than Reed's cameo in Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. So we and, don't know if we're going to get a Galactus or a Beyonder. And they pushed the FF movie back again, mm. even though it's not that big a deal when you have a cast or have a script or anything like that. That's it's whenever something like Blade something happens, right? And directors change, and then, and then you start going like, uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, and we can't even. We've already spent Civil War, so it's not like we can even have a villain or a heroes versus heroes thing to kind of look into. Right. So, well, you got the Secret Wars, which they keep saying is supposed to happen eventually. I don't know where they'd be able to introduce Beyonder at, at the moment. It seems like there's no good place to put him in. Yeah, I so, would. You know, Eternals to me, in a lot of ways, missed the mark on some cosmic things that I was expecting to be introduced in into it. You know, beyond or Galactus, there are certain things you could have thrown in there to give it a little more flavor as well and set up things for the future. And even in Thor 4, it was, I think Eternity was kind of wasted. Yes. Uh, like, I, really? That's all we're going to do? Actually, I got a, I got a f- good friend who is an old comic reader, and he was very disappointed that Eternity didn't talk or anything. He, he felt like it was a very much mismark. Yeah, I think I think we're going to need a little more cosmic level stuff to get like in betweener the stranger. Yes. There's a lot of cosmic entities out there that could be used, and so far we haven't had entry introduction to them. I think um, I can't remember which one of my Twitter friends said it, and I'm looking at my Twitter right now to see if anyone is listening. If you want to chime in, uh, but they said She Hulk should have been a movie, Eternal should have been a series. I totally agree with I that. I could yes, I could agree with that too. Because I think I think um not that She-Hulk was misserved as a series, but I feel like Eternals introducing 11 to 12 characters at once would have been better served to have here's episode 1 to kind of give you their origin. Here's episode 2 we're going to talk about Icarus and Cersei. Here's episode 3 right. and kind of slowly yeah, give us the one, fastos yeah. in episode 3 and build up to the climax. I think that would have been great as a 10 episode series. Maybe in humans made him a little gun shy. That could be, cause that was, and I think they've kind of treated that now as that's like, well, that never happened. That's the apocrypha. Exactly. Never happened at all. It's Full there, of DC. That just didn't happen. We never did. Yeah, which, again, DC is a whole other, we could spend another hour. We oh, yes. have you back to talk about that. And we will with Black Adam, hopefully. Yes, yes. hopefully we'll see what goes on with that. I'm excited about that uh, about that cast. I love Aldous Hodge. He was oh, yeah. great having him as Hawkman. Pierce Brosnan, for crying out loud, as Dr. Fate. That's going to be amazing. Um, so I think we're going to get a lot of good stuff out of that um i cannot believe this hour has blown by once again i want to be sure to thank my uh, first guest nanita decide check out the video game immortality which you can get now for download or you can go buy the physical copy wherever video games are sold obviously thank you to larry quiggins for coming into the studio and being live with me thank you to all the callers and listeners i just checked the text line i missed a couple texts i apologize we'll get to you next week and of course thanks to our sponsors marcus theaters kokomo toys and kokomo indiana for giving us all the cool things to give away. Thank you to Bugs Comics and Games, our official comic book sponsor, and Marcus Theaters, our official movie sponsor here on the show. Next week, we're going to have some live guests in studio again. Jim Oosley will be talking about his brand new comic, The Atonement Bell, set locally here in St. Louis from Red 5 Comics. He did a Kickstarter for that. Him and the artist are both going to be in. And we'll have the screenwriter of one of my favorite horror movies, 
on October 30th. Event Horizon. We'll be talking with us all about that film, and we'll give away a Blu-ray copy on the air as well. Uh, that's going to do it. Max on Movies is up next. And thanks, as always, for listening. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you look when you make him a throat references. That's a show. This is Geek Town May Radio. That's a show. This is Geek Town May Radio. Thank you, Sakar. Good night. Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser bit.ly slash geek to me bit.ly slash geek to me